Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. One, two, three. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next life. It's a hard next life. It is a hard next life. A hard next life. Oh, it's a hard next life. No one deserves a winner more than Nick fans. I know it's been tough, but. My pledge is we are going to work tirelessly and we are going to build this the right way to bring you a winner. What up, Knicks fans, and what is up, Barry motherfucking D? What is up, Craig? And good evening, Landerson Hooper. Good evening to you as well. If you're listening to this show and you like it, Please go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating and or a great review. We got a, we got one review this week. Did you guys get a chance to see it? I did not. No, I didn't. And I know it was the begging that, that got us in. <laughs> it's not my favorite review. I mean, <laughs> I know we're just asking for any kind of review. Five stars. The subject. Stop talking about this rat poop. Okay. <laughs> and then in the, bo- in the body of the review, it says, gross, entertaining pod, though. And then this person wrote, which I've been trying to figure out for about a week if it's, I, I think he's got to be joking, Barry. But he said, entertaining pod, though, Jason is carrying y'all. Wow. And then a laughing, a laughing hysterical face emoji. Yeah, it's got to be, um, that's got to be sarcastic. No, it's got to be sarcastic. How so. could that be possible? I, I take that to be one hundred percent serious. You like that one? Yeah, I liked it. Even if you, even if it's if it's possible that he's just joking because you're the total opposite. I just I know that he's not joking. I can just tell. Jason, you're carrying this show like Alex Caruso's carrying the Lakers right now. So I would say it's you're carrying it like Kevin Durant's carrying the Brooklyn Nets. Oh yeah. Well, at least at least Blandy's playing. You know, barely. I'd say it's more like. The way Jimmy Butler's carrying the heat. Okay. <laughs> Let's not get carried away with ourselves. All right. So we're not allowed to talk about rat poop anymore, guys. Okay. Good. But I got to know. We won't talk about it. Like, like the way we talked about it last week, it's done. Any updates on that, though? Uh, quick one-sentence update. The exterminator came today, found no rats or mice. <laughs> so he's not coming back for another two yeah. weeks. He said, it looks like the activity is, is, is gone. I mean, come on. There's, you've got a colony in your basement ceiling. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I, I would estimate I saw at least 10,000 poops in that drop ceiling. Oh, you were able to count that quickly? You were able to figure that out? I was trying to figure it out. I would say it's in the 10,000 range. Okay. And that's just what we were able to see. So there's got to be more. All right, guys. We're not going to talk about that anymore. Durant had an interesting quote today. Before we get to that, later on the show, we're going to be going through the shooting guards in this upcoming draft draft class, not named Anthony Edwards. I know Anthony Edwards is kind of like a shooting guard, small forward, and a lot of these guys play multiple positions, but we're going to be looking at guys who are labeled shooting guards in the Tankathon mock draft. We're going to be looking at Leandro Bolmaro, Tyrese Maxey, Josh Green, and Devin Vassell. Before we get to that, though, Jay, I don't think you heard this quote. 
right? No, not the Durant one. No, I haven't heard it. On J.J. Reddick's podcast, he said that he decided to go to Brooklyn last February, supposedly around the same time that the Knicks decided to trade Porzingis. Not after that, but maybe even before that. KD said, Brooklyn was everything I'm about. Chill on the low, all black. What the f- is he fucking said that? What does that mean? All right, chill on the low, all black, we quiet, just focus on basketball. Okay, so he means all black. The uniforms. Meaning they just focus on hoops, right? No, I never heard that expression. And he's not talking about the players because they, they don't have all black players either. He's talking about the jerseys? I, I, I can't see what... I never heard somebody saying that, you know, if you're focused... I think he means, like, we're all black, like we're ninja. Because it's amongst really? all these things. Brooklyn is chill, on the low, all black, we quiet, just focus on basketball. It's quite a... I mean, that's a weird way to speak, if that's how he's speaking. It but that is... was his quote. And then then he continued to say... Let me just finish and we can talk about all right, it. All right, because that's a lot there. Then he continues to say, there's no show when you come to our games. And that's a positive thing, by the way. There's no show when you come to our games. There's no Madison Square Mecca, all of that shit. So he went there because it's on the low, all black, chill, quiet, focus on basketball. There's no show at the games. There's certainly no show at the games. And I'm not, I don't even mean there's no show entertainment-wise. Nobody's showing up to these games. It's a lot of no-shows, right? Is that what he means? There's no show at the games? No, because you know how everything's like this big this big production at Madison Square Garden. Every time out, every quarter, the lights. You got an audience. You got Nick City dancers. You got excitement. They're putting on a big show for the fans, you know, which I guess he sees as hoopla and it's not about the basketball and this and that. But, I mean, come on. It's like that at, at you know, most major market arenas. So he went to Brooklyn because they wear black cool jerseys. That sounds as ridiculous, though, as the other thing. I I don't know what that all black means. It can't. I guess it can't be the uniforms because that sounds so stupid. <laughs> Dude, it can't be the uniforms and it can't be that they have met, they're all black players or anything. They're I mean, not. Joe, Joel Harris. Not the case. Of course. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I guess people say that, like, I never heard they're all that. black. I've, I've never heard I've that. I've never story. heard that either, but it, it seems like that's got to be what it is. Okay, so maybe because Madison Square Garden is like the bright lights, and it's all lit, and it's a big show. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm pulling at straws here, but maybe he's saying that's all black. <laughs> Can you imagine the way to KD's heart? Would be just to just to act like nothing matters, doesn't matter, doesn't, nobody cares. If the Knicks just, you know, they ran out there. Ideally, I guess we wouldn't even have fans at the games. And he just wants to play players basketball. Players would just run out there and scrimmage. He didn't even say he wants to win. <laughs> he wanted to play in Brooklyn because it's chill. Do you really want, like, that doesn't sound like a competitive spirit, does it? I don't know. That's not the kind of guy coming off a knee injury that I want to sign to a max deal, I'll tell you that. No, and it goes back to the same old story and narrative of him chasing down a championship by going to a team that was already built. Yeah, why do you think he went to Golden State? Why did he go to Golden State? It's easy. You play with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, get a couple championships, and you're out of it. It's arguably one of the greatest teams built of all time. <laughs> How much did he say about his character in this one fucking quote? Gotta love it. Jay, I didn't steal that from your upcoming news, did I? No, no. You got your news ready for later? Yeah, I do. It's been a relatively slow news week, but I've got a couple of good things. All right, well, we'll talk about it later. So there's a rumor lately that 
the Knicks' number one priority this offseason is to move the Julius Randle contract, which I know Knicks fans get real excited about. One of the rumored deals is potentially trading him for Mike Conley, who's also not a great contract. But, you know, if, if there's any year where the Knicks can take on a bad contract, it's this one. Julius Randle's contract is going to expire after this coming season. So he's an expiring contract this year, which is why that's really attractive to Utah. And it'll open up a little money for them this year even. Mike Conley's goes through next season. And then he'll be an unrestricted free agent after next season. Not this coming season, but the next season after that. After 2020-2021. Which means the Knicks are helping the Utah out by giving them a contract that's expiring this year. And we'd also likely be getting a pick back in that deal. A first round pick. Are you guys interested in that as an option this offseason? Not just to get rid of Julius Randle. But also in case we decide not to draft a point guard this year and we do need, I think we all realize that we need some sort of point guard to help these guys develop and just to run a team and bring us back to some respectable level. I don't think we can go into this season with, you know, Frank and DSJ as our two point guards. Well, they didn't decide what they're doing with Peyton yet either. I mean, he's, he's still on the roster and there's it's an option with him, right? Yeah, but he's not going to be here, Barry. I mean, I suppose if they don't get anyone else, but they're going to either draft a point guard or sign a point guard or trade for a point guard. Don't you think, what do you think the chances are of Alfred Payton coming back? I mean, I think you got a decent enough chance of him coming back as you do of DSJ. I mean, what, you want to hold on to DSJ because you still think he's got the potential there and that he's growing? Or do you want somebody that can hold it down? Like, I I believe Payton can hold it down. He can hold it down, but Payton is Payton. You want to invest a year in Alfred Payton? I'd rather give Thibodeau and this new development staff because we all know development's been a problem with this team. And now they're bringing all these new guys in. I'd rather give that new group a chance at Frank, at DSJ. You want to give them a chance at Alfred Payton, who's been in the league and with multiple coaching staffs during his career. Lots of lots of staffs have had a chance with him. DSJ was playing pretty good in Dallas. He came here. He had an okay half a season after the, the trade his first year. Then last year he was awful. We know how Frank and Knox and, and players like that have done here. Alonzo Trier. Mitch has done fairly well, but across the board, the Knicks young guys are not performing well. I'm curious if a lot of that might be the staff. I mean, it's possible. It's going to come down to if they think that he has it, if they believe in him and they want to put that time into him. You know, they may think that there is still some potential there, but it's not going to be to the level of the team that they're looking to build, to create. I read something that Thibodeau was enamored with DSJ. I saw that too. Before before he was drafted. So we'll see. But as far as the Randall for the Conley thing, yeah, I, I would sign up for that. I mean, I think it's a, it's a plus. You know, I'd rather have Conley in here and Randall out. I'd certainly rather trade for Conley and get a pick back and he's expiring and he's a solid point guard than giving up assets to go for Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that that's that's a difficult thing. Yeah, would Chris Paul be a nice piece to have on this team? Of course. I mean, all the positives that he brings. But yeah, if you're talking about giving up assets now, uh, is Chris Paul then just a bridge, you know, to getting you where you want to be and then you get to the end of that bridge and then you have those no more assets left, you know, what do you do at that point? So, I mean, I'm kind of 50-50 on him too. Yeah, it's interesting after watching the point, after like reviewing the point guards in last week's show, being at number eight, and we're going to talk about the shooting guards coming up here, but it's interesting because, I don't know, I feel like the Knicks aren't going to, I would say they're not likely to take a point guard at eight. (laughs) After, 
after really looking at those point guards, like beyond LaMelo, there's nobody that you know is going to be their their future star point guard in that group. Like, would they be better off trading for Conley or signing Van Vliet and then going after someone else in the draft? I mean, I, I still firmly believe because of where the Knicks are, they're not at a point where they, they can pick based on position. I mean, you're still trying to acquire talent, you know, that, that, that you can grow. And why would you pigeonhole yourself to pick a point guard that may be less than, you know, uh, uh, superb, you know, for lack of a better word, as opposed to going for the best player available. You you, you stink. You've stunk for years. You you gotta pick the best player available. You know, because you and all these contracts that they have are short contracts anyway. There's nobody that you're you're tied to long term. So you gotta go after the best player available, and that that's been what they've had to do for the last five years. Especially because any of these young guys they have, whether it's Mitch, who you're reading rumors right now about, should they consider? Dealing him this year because after this season, I think he's up for a new contract. And are you going to really give Mitchell Robinson, who you have seen take three jump shots in his career, a lucrative deal? I mean, it could be the biggest mistake you ever make unless he makes huge strides this year. But any of these guys, Mitchell, Knox, RJ, Frank, DSJ, you don't not take a player because you have those guys at those positions. We don't know that they're going to be here long term. The only one guy I feel really confident in being here long-term, really confident. Not really confident he will be here long-term, but really confident that he can be a starter in this league and be really good as RJ. Yeah, He's the only one in the group. Still got to see what Mitch can do offensively, and Frank and DSJ and Knox are complete wild cards as far as what they're going to become. Jay, since you're carrying us through this show, you, you want to also carry us through the Clarkson Avenue crumb cake read? <laughs> I, well, you know what it is? I, that I, is your thing. I kind of felt like since I have been carrying you, that I just I wanted yeah. to give you two a little bit of a chance to shine, so I kind of just pulled back on oh, that last segment okay. there, and I just figured, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys get some airtime and just do what you need to do, you know. <laughs> I'm just glad you haven't yawned yet because before the show, Barry, you weren't in your seat, but Jay had the biggest yawn. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm back at work since, for the first time since March. I, Jay, we've all been working nonstop since March, it's tiring. so you're not going to gain any fans. I'm just saying, I haven't been going into. I've been working, but I haven't gone into work in six months. Getting up early again, it's not easy. That's it. But I'm here. I'm, you know, you're here, and I, I'm concerned about you during the season. Do, is this a long term thing for you? I think the fans would like to know. What being on the podcast? Listen, I'll figure it being out. On the pad- Barry, do you believe in Jay? Like it's it's hard during the season. It is hard. It, it is. It is. It's his second job. The, the season's not starting for another, well, that's part of the news. So I got I got myself months and months. Jay's like, I got myself months and then I'll be out. When the season starts, I got months. I'll be out. So like, that's not no Jay, concern. Jay, there are nights that you've got to watch a game and then record after the game. They, they could run late. They're West Coast, and we don't record after West Coast games, but there are West Coast road trips where there's like three games in one week where the games don't start until 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. 10, so, 11 o'clock at night. All right. And? <laughs> and those weeks are weeks that we're bar- even Barry and I are like, I don't want to fuck. Do we have to do this? I know. The, I honestly, I vote for this year for West Coast weeks that we don't even do the show that week. <laughs> Is that possible? Could we just set that up with our fans? 
and listeners that if they go on a swing, just all decide that when we're on the West Coast, we're just not doing. That's our fucking off week for the podcast. Should that be the case? Or maybe Seriously. we could do like bite size. Is there like can we do like a bite size pod? Hop on for five minutes. Or it's not even worth it. When? Like after the game? Like I'm saying during a West Coast trip, you pop on. I don't know. Who the fuck pops on a podcast for five minutes? I don't know. What up, Barry motherfucking D? And then we talk about some rat poop and then we're out. <laughs> Blandy, why don't you tell us where we could get some crumb? Uh, you could go on down to uh, ClarksonAvCrumb.com where you could get some of the most delicious crumb cakes that you have ever tasted. They come in two different types, right? There is the classic crumb, and then there are those little mini crumpkins that you, you enjoy so much, uh, Barry, correct? Right? Sure. If I'm remembering correctly, the crumb cake of the month was like a mocha, right? With a little apricot kind of thing in there. Yeah. Mocha Joe or something? Yeah, it was it? Mocha Joe. Remember? There was like mocha. There was there was like a – we thought it was a little odd. There was a little bit of apricot in there. You know who would not like Clarkson Avenue crumb cakes? Who? Kevin Durant. He just wants plain crumb. That's probably – he's probably just a plain crumb guy. They, they do have the blackout crumb, right? He'd probably get the blackout crumb. Ah, all black, Barry, yes. He'd probably just eat some pound cake. Crumbs on top of cake, that's too much of a show. He doesn't want any of that shit. So did we get through that? You, They can use promo code HARDNESSLIFE for 23% off their order. You did that? No, that part I didn't do. I didn't get to that because oh. we then you started talking about Kevin Durant. All right, guys. I, I'm really happy that we're doing this, whatever you want to call it, on the for each position in the draft. Me Are too. you guys happy about this? I am because now I I watched the look, I watched the I watch the draft every year and you know, a few players you know, but then there's a bunch of names that they go by and you maybe heard of them, but you don't know anything about their style of play. We're familiarizing ourselves with potentially the top thirty um prospects. We got a little bit of heat after last week's show. Someone was complaining that we didn't we didn't talk about Tyrese Maxey because he's uh they said he's a combo guard, shooting guard slash point guard. Okay. Right. I told them we'll talk about him this week because he's with the shooting guards. Um, there's obviously some players that might be a small forward. They might be shooting guard, whatever. Go easy on us. But let's go to the Tankathon mock draft. We all know who Anthony Edwards is. He, he's going to be a top two pick in this year's draft. There's no reason to look at him. Obviously, if he's there at eight, we're taking Anthony Edwards. <laughs> all right. But we started at the back end of the draft. The first shooting guard we looked at right now is projected to go 25th. Which is right around our second pick in the first round. And that's Leandro Bolmaro, or Bolmaro, international player, shooting guard, plays for Barcelona. Six foot seven, 180 pounds, just under 20 years old, averaged 16.7 points, 3.3 boards, five and a half assists, two and a half steals. He uh, shot 50, 45% from the field, 28% from three. His comp, guys, his comp was maybe the funniest comp I've ever seen. For an NBA player. Oh, I think I saw this too. Is it the dude on the Bulls? His comp is Thomas Sadoransky. Yeah, from the Bulls, right? Uh, He's in his fourth year. He just finished his fourth year with the Bulls. Uh, This was the first year, I believe, where he averaged more than three points a game. Okay, so that's (laughs) Leandro Bomero. Born on 9-11. The actual 9-11, 2001. Okay, so today, because that's the date I'm putting on the podcast, is his birthday. So happy birthday, Leandro. Just in case we, we draft you at 27, would you guys be excited if they, we drafted him at 27? Barry, what did you like about his game? Um, okay, so one of the things I liked about his game was, and, and again, he's not at this talent level, but he had like a Luka oh, Doncic <laughs> craftiness about him. You know, I have to admit, can I admit something? Yeah, go ahead. 
when I was watching, the, you know, their, their, the beginning of their highlights is always the positive stuff, right? And I was thinking that way too. Yeah, like, oh, it looks kind of like Luca. Yeah, because you know what it is? His ball handling isn't great and he's not super quick, but like the way he maneuvers himself in and out of defenders had a Luca way. Um, he's a good combo guard. He seems to have some point guard potential. Uh, he seems to find open guys. He was a really good passer. Uh, he did have a lot of turnovers, but the passes that he did make, like a lot of them were just like these precision passes. There were some flashy passes. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, look, a lot of these guys that are going to be drafted 27th, I, you're not going to be that excited about. You know, they're not a top 10 pick. But, again, you know, he had talent. I think I think he can definitely become like a solid player in this league, like a sixth man or potentially a starter in a few years down the line. He, he definitely had, had had a lot of talent. Or a Thomas Sadoransky. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Luca, he's a little bit like Luca, but then he's also like some no-name dude on the Bulls. Yeah. Some, some guy who's probably going to be out of the league after this year. Jay, do you want to com- comment I, on Leandro? I, poor Leandro. That, that stood out to me was... Um, Happy birthday, Leandro. The, the passing. I mean, he seems like, you know, there was some, if you look at those highlights, there's some really cool... Uh, some really great like bounce passes where he's basically threading a needle. The only thing is though, it, there was a little bit of a negative. Like Barry said, he was like too cutesy at times, where he's trying to be a little too fancy, and he ends up with the turnover uh, as a as a result. But I do agree with Barry. Like he has a way of like kind of weaving in and out of of traffic. It's not necessarily like it doesn't look like it's ballet, but he's somehow able to to manage his way through with his you know that six foot seven what he's like 180 pound frame he's able to to make it through there even though it's not always pretty yeah he was really good at handling the ball and like going to the crossover faking out his guy his defender blowing by multiple people on the break finishing he was really quick really fast and he's big six foot seven and like barry said you're watching it and i don't know if it's the international thing the white guy thing um, just like a white, big white guy who's handling the ball and and fooling other players, and makes you think he feels like Luca. Right. You wonder, like, well, you know, like how close to a defense in the NBA is this defense that he's going up against? You know, and that's true. It's not the Absolutely. Same. One of my concerns with him was that, and I'm being honest here, I'm not sure all the highlights I was watching were of him. Because did you guys feel this way? Some of them didn't even look like him. Well, there was so that. They, and he played. I don't for know. Like, if that, is that the international thing? Like they might put some highlights in there that aren't even him. I think they're him, but some look like they weren't as big, or the hair was different. He's played for different teams, and even like uh, for Barcelona, he's played for like three different teams. Like it was only like his last um, few games that he actually made the starting team for them because they have like a second tier team, a third tier team. But seriously, one of the one of the one of the negatives that I wrote down because it was entertaining watching his highlights, but his lowlights. The turnovers, and not the number of them, but just how embarrassing they were. These turnovers were like the most clumsy, awful decisions, falling down when no one's anywhere near him, chucking the ball like 20 feet away from the guy he was trying trying to, just like really bad, really bad lowlights. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is one of those players that has like a shining moment here and there, although most of the time he's fucking a mess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the sense I got. Like, yeah, maybe he, 
Every dog has his day, right? I mean, eventually they're going to go in, it's going to work out. But half the time, if he's falling down, it's really hard to judge a player on, on a highlight reel. But his, his lowlights were really scarily bad. All right, let's move on to next up on the list right now in Tankathon's mock draft, going 18 to the Dallas Mavericks out of Kentucky, freshman out of Kentucky, Tyrese Maxey, six foot three. 198 pounds, just under 20 years old, 14 and a half points a game, four and a half boards, 3.3 assists, shot 43% from the field, 29% from three. His comp, George Hill. Jay, you want to go first? What did you like about Tyrese? Um, I thought that he was a really good finisher around the basket when you when you saw him got uh, you know get through the lane. Too many floaters, though, for my taste. A little, you know, like a little bit of just kind of just lofting it up there and letting it letting it float through. I liked watching his defensive highlights. He seemed pretty active even when he was off the ball, just, you know, jumping back and forth, switching off. But he he seemed to be like his shot is not so great. I don't I don't for a shooting guard, I think you're going to want a little bit more than 29% or so from from 3. Now, yeah, he's a freshman, but he seemed to have a lot of energy on the court. I mean, to me, that was like the, the biggest thing. By the way, he's one of these guys that you hear Knicks fans mention. Well, yeah, because like you said, Tankathon, I think, has him at 18, but there's some mock drafts out there that have him as high as 11. Really? So, yeah. <sighs> uh, he just didn't do anything for me. He did not do much for me either. First of all, he's small. He doesn't seem that athletic. He doesn't seem that quick. He can get into the lane, obviously, and... He was pretty good at doing reverse layups in tight. He kind of reminded me a little bit of like a Trey Burke, but maybe not as quick. His shooting wasn't particularly good. It seemed like all his highlights were just made up of him slowly getting by his man, getting into the lane and being able to force it in. You know, I couldn't imagine, even though I've heard his name with the Knicks, I couldn't imagine using anything but maybe the 27th pick on him, even though... His biggest strength does seem to be his defense. He's a six foot three guard. He's not a point guard. He doesn't have a great shot. I don't know where you find a place for a player like that in the game. You know, no one wants a six foot three shooting guard who can't shoot. I think you're painting a really negative picture on this guy. First of all, he's a, he's a smart kid. This this kid averaged a three point seven GPA in high school. He's got a good basketball IQ about him. But they in that in that highlight they did say his shooting IQ was bad. Right. I okay. He so takes, here's... he takes a lot of bad shots. He before you before before you go into this Barry though. There was one thing I wanted to mention. A lot of his highlights were really deep threes. Yes, I like that. I don't like that because his shooting percentage from three was twenty nine percent. So that means he's just chucking it up from three. Should a guy who shoots twenty nine percent from three be shooting seven feet from the line? No, <laughs> I don't think so. If he that means most of those shots he's fucking missing and he's still taking all those shots. I like the fact that he's shooting from that deep. I think it's look again. Was this a you're not going to like it when he's high? On, you're not going to like it when he's missing seventy one percent of them. I understand that, but I, I think that he has that range. Does he need to elevate his percentage? But <laughs> he has that range. I'm telling you, he does. I could hit two out of ten of those. So could you? He's hitting two out of ten, three out of ten. All right, I'm sorry to, 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 to go. I like the it. fact that he's taking those shots from out there. I do, and I think his. Three point percentage is going to catch up to him. What? Look, look. He's only six foot three. 
but he's almost 200 he pounds. Can, he can, he, still, he, gr- he can he, still grow in the next he, few years. He's still growing. He's almost 200. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying he's got 200 pounds on him. He's not afraid to take contact and finish through the contact at the rim. I'd say one of his biz- biggest negatives is that he didn't pass the ball much, and he'd run into these dead ends, and he'd force up these shots around the rim instead of looking to a guy that might be open like five feet from him. That's a negative. And look, I'm just trying to sh- you know shed a little bit more positive that I saw out of this kid than you guys. I'm not saying the Knicks should go after him because I, I, I can't see any situation that they would or that they should. But I it wouldn't surprise me if he sticks around in this league for a while because I think the potential's there for this guy. That's all. What do you see him as? A seventh or eighth man? No, not necessarily. I mean he look, he could go Starter? in the top twenty in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if in three years he's starting for a team. No, he is not a starter in the NBA. No. And if he is, it's I a agree. really bad team. Oh, come on. You're, you're down on him because you see that 29% three-point percentage and it's scaring you. I'm down on him because he didn't do anything that impressed yeah. me. And he's, he's just small. And I went in. I was excited to watch his highlight because I'm hearing so many people talk about him. All right, let's keep going. Now, I think with these next two, for me, the talent level just sort of took a bit of a jump. All right, so this next guy, uh, Tankathon, has him going 16 to Portland right now. Shooting guard out of Arizona, Josh Green, six foot six, 206 pounds. He's a freshman this year, just under 20 years old. 14 points, 5.3 boards, three assists, 1.8 steals at Arizona. His comp is Wesley Matthews. Barry, what you like about Josh Green? His defense like jumped off the screen. I mean, great defender, great rebounder. Um, I mean, this guy, you said he's six foot six. He's got a six foot 10 wingspan. So, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what's going to help him get those rebounds, help him um, on D, obviously. This guy would guard any uh, any position at Arizona, one through five, which is really impressive uh, because obviously in this NBA, you got to be able to switch. Um, he finished the season strong from three-point percentage. He was over 46% over his last 10 games, and that's on three attempts a game. Um, so that was a good sign for him. Uh, his shot was not too good off the dribble, though. There, all, all his like positive numbers came from catch and shoots. Uh, he had some nice looking drives to the basket. You know, when he got around his man, he was able to fake him out and get around him. He was really good in transition. Um, what would scare me a little bit is, like I said, he got around his man, but he was only he only shot thirty eight percent at the rim. So not a good finisher there. Um, he was a pretty bad passer um at least on the move but he was standing in one spot and he was just working with the offense to to some other guys he he was able to swing the ball fine and find his man but um but he he wasn't a good good passer when he was on the move and uh but yeah yeah definitely a good player and like I said his defense was uh really impressive for a freshman for for me I was really impressed with what I saw I think he isn't a very well-rounded player. He definitely has a few strengths, defense being one, like you said, and his three-point shot. Like you said, his numbers over his final 10 games were really good from three. But just looking at his shot, he's just got a really good-looking shot. It's really quick release. His release is high. I don't know. His shot always looked on. It just looked very controlled and good to me. I really appreciated that. He's really long, really tall. He He's aggressive. You know, he can get in the lane and finish pretty athletically. A great aggressive defender. I think that's huge. And I think we'll see that with these two top shooting guards we're looking at right now. His yeah concerns are that he does seem very one or two dimensional. He's not a guy that's going to, you know, handle the ball. But do you need that 
from every guy. I don't think so. You know, we desperately need shooters on this team. It's great. He shot 36% from three for the entire season, but I really liked what I saw. Head and shoulders, I thought, above both Tyrese Maxey and Leandro. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Yeah, I thought, in to me, offensively in transition, he seemed exceptional. I mean, like, he's getting up and down the court. You're probably going to see some really exciting stuff you know, watching him in transition on the break, that sort of thing, and and the defense, yeah. But you're right; it's not like this is not a guy that's going to be able to to break anybody down necessarily with the dribble, or hold on to the ball and lead the offense or anything like that. He he does seem very much like a slash a slashing to the hoop kind of guy, or just a a catch and 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 shoot. And if and if that's not working, I don't necessarily know what he's going to be able to to do for you offensively. I want to say he's like a like Trevor Ariza. Like he'll be, you'll basically pass to him at the three point line. He can either take a shot right there, or he can make one move and try to get to the basket. Yeah, I mean he's a real, he's really athletic. I mean you watch him and you know he's blowing by people and he he's doing some crazy stuff on the break. But does he have anybody to get him the ball on the break on the Knicks? But something like that. And the last guy we look at here, who a lot of Knicks fans want, and it's a big jump from him from Josh Green to him in the mock draft. Devin Vassell, is that how you say it? Devin Vassell. Sounds right. Sure. Going going as a lottery pick. A lot of Knicks fans want him at eight. He's a sophomore from Florida State, six foot seven, one ninety-four, almost sixteen points a game, six six rebounds, two assists, one point two blocks, and one point eight steals. He shot forty nine percent from the field this year and forty one percent from three. His comp, Mikhail Bridges. I saw uh, I saw Kelly Oubre somewhere too. So why don't you talk about him? Would Would you like? About I I liked him way more than than everybody else. I mean, he had a a, a really good shot. He's got a really, beautiful shot. Yeah, a really deep range. I mean, there are some you know where he he is pretty far behind that three point line and perfect. a really smooth, good looking shot. Yeah, and quick. I mean, his pull up jumper is great. He's just a good. He just seems like he's a good shooter. Um, he was good in transition, uh, but yeah, I think like shooting wise, he's he's light years above the other the other three. I think, I mean, especially the first two we talked about. Totally, these are totally different players. Like, oh yeah, Josh Josh Green and Vassell are these long, tall, defensive minded players who can shoot the three, and then you got little Tyrese Maxey, and, <laughs> and then you got Leandro, who's you know a wannabe Luca. Yeah. Who sucks half the time? I mean, he's you know he's six seven. You know, that, I mean, that's six seven is good height on a. That's a big. That's a big guy at shooting guard. You know, and he's another guy that's got this long wingspan, six foot ten wingspan. Yeah, Barry, what'd you like about him? Well, uh, it should be noted is you know his father played for Stony Brook, so a local uh, local oh, collegiate really? athlete there. Yes, that's right. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so anyway, yeah, great great D on all facets of defense, and because he's so long. He is a shot-blocking machine uh, pretty much anywhere on the court, which is really cool. Could you imagine him playing the kind of D he plays? Because he'll guard you, you know, end-to-end with those long arms. Oh, imagine, yeah. Same him, way, I, like, Frank say? does. The same way Frank does. Yeah. Can you imagine Frank and him and Mitch on the court together? Oh, my God. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, the three of them holding hands can go from one baseline to the other baseline. <laughs> That's how long they are, first of all. That would be incredible. Um, so yeah, he's a great three point shooter, as you said. And, you know, conversely to Tyrese Halliburton, who we spoke about last week, who also had a great three point percentage and his shot looked like ass. <laughs> Devin Vassell, on the other hand, has this high release, 
um, and is shooting, you know, what forty one and a half percent from three. Did you see? Did you see the clip of Tyrese Halliburton shooting in practice? Yeah, that came out. Yeah, and I th- I thought it was kind of funny how they were whipping away from his shot as soon as they could. Yeah, I know because yeah, were they going in? Yes, but did they look like garbage? Yeah, it still looks so right. bizarre. Right, Devin Vassell's uh, improvement from a freshman to a sophomore was really impressive so that I mean only tells me that maybe there's a lot more what to was be the improvement there? out of him um he hasn't really shown any capability what was, hold on hold okay. on what was the improvement uh just fr- fr- from sco- his scoring you know the different what, facets what of his game from? a lot of offensive improvement from freshman to sophomore did his numbers change drastically his numbers changed a lot I mean I don't think he started as a freshman um so obviously that's going to be part of it but just his overall game improved from freshman to sophomore. Trying to get you to actually give me the numbers, but obviously you're not. No, I don't have the happen. numbers uh, right in front of me. I just know <laughs> that everything was a, a major improvement. Jay, this is sort of one of your roles, if you don't mind looking that okay. up. Okay. Uh, no While Barry and I carry the show. Fact, you know. fact checker Blanderson Hooper. He's got some really long arms. You see his, uh, his arms? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. That's what excites me about Green. You're, I don't know if you're done, Barry, but that's what excites me about Devin and Josh Crean. Their length and the fact that they're still shooting like that, I mean, is just a special kind of player, potentially. Right. right. Yeah. And, and the only the other thing I was going to add was just one of his weaknesses was about not really showing any capability of taking somebody off the dribble um, or getting by anybody, you know, with his handling. I would say when I was watching his highlights, that was his only, that's the only concern. He was the most well-rounded of all these guys. Right. But he does not seem like he can handle the ball. He does everything else really well. His shot is really great, and we know how badly the Knicks need a shooter. If we don't get a point guard in this draft, for whatever reason, because we can't get LaMelo or we decide it's not the right way to go, I would say the next biggest thing that we really need is a shooter. So if we can get a shooter like these guys that are also long and big and can D up like they like Vassal and Josh Green do, I mean, that might be our next biggest need. Think about th- that height, you know, 6'7", with that shot, like, you know he's going to be able to basically jump over, you know, jump up over anybody and get his. He should be able to get a shot off over just about anybody that's going to be guarding him, unless it's you know a small forward or or somebody else on him with with, with that height, height. That's just going to intrigue a lot of teams about him. I think. Did you find his numbers yet, Jay? I did in freshman year. Now a freshman, he was only playing ten point seven minutes a right. game, whereas last year it was just under thirty twenty eight. Point eight. So his his minutes almost went up, you know, times three. Well, let's look at his like. Well, then let's look at his percentages. Field goal percentage went up from forty three to forty nine. Three point uh, percentage actually dipped a bit from freshman to sophomore year, but obviously the attempts went up quite a bit. What was that though? Per game. Freshman year. Um, freshman year he was forty one nine, and last year forty one five. So I mean, what I mean, that's barely a dip. That's consistency right there, yeah. which is positive. So, yeah, it's just, and that's and that's with an, basically an extra two two threes a game. That's pretty good. All right, guys. So we looked at Vassal, Green, Maxi, Bolmaro, Bolmaro. Seems pretty obvious who we would take in this bunch, right? Oh yeah, yeah. We're all big fans of De- of Devin Vassal, and then obviously Josh Green is right behind him. Let's talk about comparing it to the point guards we looked at last week. In that group, all the point guards and all these shooting guards we looked at, not named Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball. Who's your pick? I say Devin Vassell. Your point guard last week was uh, the guy from France, Killian Hayes. Who Tankathon now has going number four to the Bulls. So he might not even be there. But honestly, I... I but you would take him over Killian Hayes. Yes, I think I would after watching, you know, after watching the highlights. I mean, the shot, his shot is just 
we need that. And that D, uh, between the defense and, and his his shot, his jumper, without a doubt. I mean, I can't argue with that. I don't even remember last week if I had a clear-cut favorite between my Tyrese Halliburton and Cole Anthony. You had your you – Tyrese was your clear-cut favorite, but barely. Yeah. You committed to Tyrese over Cole, but you liked Cole a lot. I would still choose one of those two over Devin. Um, really? Yeah, but but it's still close. I mean, I still got to put him in that group. If I have my top tier of three, he's he's right there with those guys. But I think I'd still go Tyrese. Out of, out of everybody that we looked at so far, I'd go Tyrese, then Cole, and then Devin. It's a tough choice. For me. It's a really tough choice for me. Vassal is, I think, such a safe pick. If you pick Vassal, you're getting a guy who you know can shoot, who you know can play D. And you know he can shoot in the NBA, and you know he can play D in the NBA. He's not going to be a miss. I liked Cole Anthony the most last week. I think any of those point guards can miss. I think Cole Anthony is more of a home run pick, which is why I liked him over the other point guards. But if I had to make a choice, oh, it's a very hard choice. Uh, I, I think I might go Devin Vassell over Cole Anthony. I know, without any doubt, that we do not have a single sharpshooter on this team. We do not have even one. That is what I know for a fact. Oh, Je- Barry, what? Jay, <laughs> what was that? I, Hold on. Crotch? Barry, why <laughs> did you just do that? Out of nowhere, we just saw Barry's crotch. Just so everybody knows what we just saw, Barry just tilted his <laughs> laptop down right at his crotch, and it was all blurry. And it looked like it could be God knows what. It, it was like a, it was like a beige-shaped thing that was sitting out there. And before the show, Barry stood up and said, "I'm taking my pants off. I'm going just boxers here." And he just lowered his his computer, and I, my heart dropped. I didn't you take my eyes desk. away. You see desk. Heart. You don't see my crotch. Go back to that we though. See, what we was see what? that? What word did you say? You see desk. Oh, I heard the D and the K. You probably saw the microphone, not my, uh, not my schlong. If that was your schlong, it is like the size of a foot. So. I, I tilted the laptop down. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I tilted. Congratulations. The, uh, I tilted the monitor down because behind it is where I have all the, the team's current contracts. And you said we don't have a sharpshooter. Yeah. And I, was, oh. I just wanted to re- remind myself that. You know Wayne Ellington is is potentially on this team. He, he does have a player option. Oh, I mean, he's as close to a sharpshooter as anybody you're gonna have. Yeah, and he couldn't even get any playing time. But I mean, he doesn't play any D though. You know, so imagine one of these guys. Imagine Frank that shoots forty percent from three. I mean, as much as I love Cole Anthony, I don't think you can miss by taking this kid. Oh, Craig, obviously anything can miss. You, You can't. I mean, number one picks in the draft miss. Like, like, strike out. I mean, Markel Fultz, come on. All right, guys. You hear that music? That sweet, sweet music? It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Landy, maybe this is why people think you carry us, because we close the show out with the news. And how about, you know, we haven't done an accent in a couple of weeks. And how about in honor of Josh Green from the University of Arizona, who's originally... Crikey, Mike! Exactly. Originally from Sydney, Australia. Maybe you should do an Aussie. Uh, I'm not accent. so great with Australian. It's one of those. It's one that I've never been able to crack. I mean, I, I could... see. I was thinking, actually, for Leandro wow. Balmero's birthday, that we do a nice Italian accent. He's from Argentina. He's like Argentinian and Italian, but he's from oh. Argentina. <laughs> I'm just sorry. Just because his last name ends in a vowel doesn't mean he's Italian. You know why? Because I was just Leandro's he's half not Italian, Italian, half Argentinian. 
but he but he's from Argentina. Okay, well, I'm sure Jay can pull that off. All right, Jay. So a half Argentinian is it? How do you say that? Argentinian. 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 A half Argentinian, half Italian. Let's go. And throw some Aussie in there as well. I just. All right, everybody. <laughs> this is the news with Landerson Huppel. What? Why, why is that? So it's like Spanish? Yeah. Argentinian. <laughs> they speak Spanish, don't they? We're not, setting him up for failure, gonna, Craig. Yeah, this is not going to go well. I can't, like, on the spur of the moment. So first off, uh, I want to talk a little bit about our favorite team over in Brooklyn, the New Jersey Nets, <laughs> who hired Steven Nash to be their new head coach, completely out of the blue, because he's a friends with Sean Marks. Some people say it's a great hire, and some people say it's just another example of a white privilege. It's not like they, it's not like, like you could have maybe said that about Steve Kerr before he got hired, but Steve Nash, one of the greatest players of all time, isn't that what makes great coaches a lot of the time? Yeah, that, and I think it was Charles Barkley that pointed out, like 16 times there have been head coach jobs given out to former players that had no coaching experience, and nine out of 16 of those players were African American. Well, really, I mean, truthfully, 16, probably like 14 of them should be African American because it is such a small percentage of white players in the league. So if a former player is going to be a head coach, like you would think it would be similar ratio to what's going on in the league. Chauncey Billups is another name now that's out there that could be making that same that same jump. Right, they said for Indiana, right? Yeah, there's talk about him. Yeah, he seems like a, a same kind of thing. Great player, high IQ. Seems like he'd be great, a great, great coach. Great leader on those Pistons teams, you know? And I hope Steve Nash fucking fails <laughs> miserably, but... Uh, did you see today he said uh, that... Jay, Jay, oh, Blandy. Sorry. You want me to talk like this? It's actually so much better. Kyrie Irving is uh, one of his favorite players of all time, which is such a bull of shit. A bull of shit, no, you said? A bull of shit. <laughs> a bull of shit. You know, a bull of shit from a bull a bull with the horns. Just from a Toro. Yes, yes, yes. And LeBron James yesterday, or the day he became uh, the the NBA's leader in uh, playoff wins, and now it has a uh, 162 wins in the playoffs. Okay, Jay, uh, you gotta start giving me these news items to to. What's wrong with this? Edit. We're not we're not celebrating LeBron James in this podcast. Can you move on to the next? Uh, thing? Just so you know, he broke the record set by incredible. Famous New York Knicks ahead of coach, best coach they ever had, uh, Derek Fisher. Yes, no? Okay. Uh, then you have the house of the Rockets. He missed the game Who? the other night. Game of three. Who? Then you have the house of Junior. Yes or no? <laughs> no. Who? <laughs> you're making me talk in this accent. Barry, who is it? And then you're telling me you don't understand <laughs> what I'm saying to you. Barry, who? I'm going to let you figure it out. Say it again. Daniel House Junior. <laughs> I, I can't. I couldn't hear you. You broke up. Can you just? What is it? Again? <laughs> what is it? Daniel? 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 Don't. House Junior on the Rockets. <laughs> okay. Right. He and uh, he and uh, Tyson Chandler were held out a game of three for uh, personal reasons. It turns out uh, the league is investigating whether or not he broke uh, protocols by having one of the female coronavirus testers up into his uh, hotel room uh, the other night. Oh. (laughs) He still vehemently denies it, right? Yeah, originally they were looking at Chandler, and then, like, Chandler was... They they cleared him. They're looking at him now. She claims that she was hanging out with Chandler and some other guy, but she doesn't know what his name was. Well, House has a a kid, 
right? Uh, like a, so. I don't know if it's a girlfriend or a wife that he's got, but uh, so who knows? He has a relationship. But what's wrong with getting some extra tests night <laughs> <laughs> in your room? I don't know, think of those are the tests that the NBA. I mean, wants. if you want to be really safe, you don't think they were mm, testing? I'm gonna say a no. Somebody might have gotten might have gotten swabbed, but I don't think it was him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there were some bodily fluids that were being checked, but uh, not up of the nose uh, or in the saliva. Supposedly, I think what they had, what they're going on, is they have footage of her entering and exiting the hotel, and then as far as the room, somebody heard a door open and close and they think it was his door that's what led them there's to not have. much there's not much to go on what that's the evidence i, I that's what i that's the only evidence i saw because he can't open the door for any other reason somehow she made it through a couple of security checkpoints they're not really necessarily sure how that happened and that this would be bad because if, by the it, way well he's, he's got a, he's in a relationship is part of it, but that, oh yeah, but he wouldn't be suspended. Well, for that. but that's not why the NBA needs. No, to I, I don't him. think that they're allowed to be in their their rooms like that. I mean, he was held out of the game, I think, by the NBA. Listen, it's a long time in that bubble, you know. And you know that in those Disney hotels, they probably don't have those channels. That's not an option. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> really? That's of course definitely. they do. <laughs> no, they don't because it's Disney. No. Uh-uh. Get out of here. You're telling me right. I can't order up uh, an adult film in a Disney hotel? At Disney World. Barry, could you Barry, imagine... Are you out of your mind? Could you imagine the PR for Disney really? if you no, could Barry, do that? Not a chance. Of course you can't I don't do know that. if that's true. Barry. Look, Disney Hotel gets a lot of people that visit there. I know some of our listeners have gone to Disney, and I know some of our There's listeners no are probably single or they're kinky. What? Let, please call in to us and let us know if you can order up um, an, ex- an erotic movie on pay-per-view at a Disney hotel. I'm sure you can. I don't know if anyone has ever even checked that, Barry. If you're going to Disney World... There's a lot of weird adults that go to Disney without any kids. It's a lot of them. No, Barry, there's no way. Well, if those weird adults are going back to their rooms and watching erotic movies, they should be arrested on the spot. Oh, come on. They're going to Disney World without any kids and watching porn yeah. at night? What, they're going to stop their, their masturbatory routines at just because they're at Disney? Yes. Absolutely. It's the happiest place on earth. Why would the happiness end when you enter your hotel room? No, you're, there's just, there's not a, I can tell, I can guarantee it, it's, there's not a chance. Can't you just I Google just tried, that? I there's no way anything. people have. How do you Google that? When I typed in, do Disney mo- uh, hotels have porn? What came up was like Disney relate, like porn using like Disney kind of stuff. So. <laughs> the authorities will be at Jason's so, house. Tomorrow. All right, let's move on. What else you got, uh, Landy? That was great news so far, Jay. <laughs> I got a, a two or more things. Uh, a number one, uh, the uh, the draft has been moved back a one a month to a November eight. Uh, November eighteenth is the proposed draft date as of now because they want to. They Very want to give, uh, the This you know you know what that means. This season, the next season, is getting pushed out further and further. They want to push it back for the free agency as well. They haven't given a date on that, but November eighteenth is the date as of now for the draft. And they said today that the uh, the season will not begin until at least past the Christmas of this year. So you're prob- you're probably looking at the beginning of 2021. Yeah, but we have no idea in what capacity. Bubble, no bubble, empty arenas. They're going to be waiting as long as they can to see if they can get any fans. But that's it. That's all I got. Is that okay with you? Great news, Planny. Maybe he is carrying the show. I do love the news segment. Correctly. It is great, you know, because no matter what, 
we get a nice view of the entire NBA, and we don't normally get that. So No, we you. never did that before. And he's got this professional attitude. He prepares. Right. I, got, I got my notes up here. All right, guys. Well, thank you for the news, Blandy. You're very welcome, Craig. I'll do what I can. <laughs> there you go. Did I tell you guys about my dental visit? No. No, you went to the dentist? I took my son to the dentist during this time when, you know, you got to wear the mask and small dental office. I got in a fight with someone in the waiting room. Not a physical fight, an argument. Of course you did. Dude, I walk in, this guy in a, in a thick Jason-like accent. I think he was, I think if I had to guess, I would say he was Israeli, who were very aggressive people. <laughs> I went there once and it was scary. But so this guy is leaning forward in his chair. It's a small waiting room, like probably like eight feet wide. A row of chairs on one side facing a row of chairs on the other side, like maybe three chairs on each side, tiny. He's leaning across sitting in his chair on his cell phone, mask at his chin, yapping away really aggressively loud. I didn't see any spit flying, but you, you would think there was spit flying. And I walk in there with my son and we're in there for like 10 seconds at least. And I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. He's looking at us. He doesn't make any effort to put his mask on. And he just continues talking. Right, because it's one thing if he was in there by himself and he wanted to pull it down. But yeah, as soon as somebody walks in, you, you he was put by, it But I gave him 10 seconds or so. We looked at each other multiple times. He didn't do anything. So I just leaned down and looked right at him. And we locked eyes. And I go, put your mask on. Oh, oh you said it like that. Yeah. And then <laughs> so he was neutral. like, he looked, gave me this look, put it on. And then kept talking. But the whole time he was talking, and I'm in that waiting room, we're getting our temperature checked by the by the nurse. And this guy is staring at me the whole time he's talking. And I was like, I told the nurse, I was like, you know, we'll wait outside in the hallway because small waiting room, we'll just wait outside. Plus, he's just staring at us. So right when I walk outside into the hallway, I think he got concerned that we were leaving. He wanted to confront me. So right when we got in the hallway, he was on the phone. He like took it away from his ear and he comes out of the way. He's like, what's your problem? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? What's my problem? <laughs> and my son is with me. So like, yeah, what's your problem? You speak to me like an animal. You can't even say please when you tell me to ask me to put my mask on. You can't even say please. I was like, listen, man, I just wanted you to put your mask on. I'm not. I don't have to fight about it. You don't have to yell. I just wanted you to put your mask on. You have it on. I asked you to put it on. It's like, you could say, please, you would never, this is America. This is America. You can't, you can't speak to people like that. If you were in my country, you have no idea what I would do to you. And he's fucking yelling at me. <laughs> oh. Yeah. He's like, how disrespectful, how you treat me like an animal. You don't even say, you please say, please, you should just say, please. If I see someone without a mask, I say, would you, please, would you mind putting your mask on? Is, it, is that a good accent? It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, but, but. <laughs> I'm scared. Oh, he kept going, I'm not afraid of... He's like, I'm not afraid of you. And he kept like... He's like, you come in like... Like flexing? <laughs> like, like a gorilla, apparently. I came into the waiting room. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't... I'm not claiming that you should be afraid of me. I wouldn't be afraid of me. I was staying pretty calm. But don't tell me... And I said this. I was like, don't tell me that I need to be more respectful. I was like, you should have been more respectful when we walk in... And you see me there with my son, and you're just sitting there ye talking on your phone without putting your mask on. That was the first sign of disrespect. There's that's that's the comeback. So that's right why I said there. that was the disrespect. I don't have to say please to someone who's putting me or my kid in harm's way. I say it in the fastest way I possibly can. That's going to get the job done. I don't need to beg you to put a mask on. And then they said like 
Craig, you know, your appointment, your room is ready. <laughs> it's just like a, and then I'm like walking into the dental, I'm walking into the room with my son and I'm fucking like throwing my arms up in the air as I'm walking past the guy. And then as if the, a dental visit's not anxiety really oh enough. And then I go, I, I, we're like going in the room and I'm like, somebody's got to get this, get this fucking guy out of here. He, oh. He's harassing the customers. <laughs> All right. If you want to reach out to us, it's a hardnixlife at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at hardnixlife. You can follow Barry at Barry Dworkin. And you can follow the newsman himself at Blandy Hooper on Twitter. Is that right? Yep, that's it. And you can call us. 516-33-MESH1 to talk about anything Knicks basketball or porn at Disney hotels. There's just, it's just not, there's no way. No way. <laughs> All right, if you like our show, please go on iTunes or wherever you listen. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Again, I'm begging again. I don't like their top review being that we talk about rat poop. I don't think that's going to get any new fu- any new subscribers. So it was attached to a five-star rating, though. I will take it. I just want to move it down a little bit. <laughs> oh, wait. Hold on. Hold oh. on. Before we go anywhere. Now, this is old, but I'm going to assume... I'm going to assume that things have not changed. This is 2001, so we're talking 20 oh, years. Oh, dude, it's 20 years later, Listen, Jay. Hold on. Walt Disney Company doesn't offer adult films at 35 hotels and 37,000 rooms in its resorts. Now, that's 2001, but I also found from more recent, within the last couple of years, that they do not have any kind of pay-per-view availability in any of their hotels. Oh, interesting. And so that's what it would be on. And if you look, you can find channel guides for all their hotels there is no porn channel on any of their channel guides and they don't have pay-per-view there's just there's no way they have it no way Blanderson Hooper comes through again with the fact checking can you blame Dan well what's a man gonna do <laughs> well he does have the internet he's an NBA player he can afford a, a you know a, a plan on you know like Sprint or T-Mobile or something where he gets unlimited data well, I mean so you know she must have gotten some type of invitation to his room I'm sure right so I'm just thinking about the visit to her office. And maybe he'd seen her multiple times because maybe she's always the one that administers the test. But I'm just like picturing the flirting going on in the office where she does the test. What? It's not, and like, it's not gonna she, be an probably office. just like swabbing his nose or something. Like, Dude, but think about the sensuality of her with that giant Q-tip inserting that. it into his nose. I'm telling you. As she tries to, as she jams it up into his brain? No, she, that's what I'm saying. She probably doesn't jam it. I think she might have been playful. Seductive. You think she's like, here, I'm going to stick this big stick up your nose. <laughs> yeah, she like slowly just did the tip yeah. at how do first. You, how do you like it? And he's like, I like it slow, baby. <laughs> and then she's sticking that Q-tip thing in his nose, rubbing right. He's like, oh, yeah. And then he said, why don't you, you know, later tonight. Yeah, come up to my room. Come to my room. We'll do a little one-on-one COVID testing. I'll test, I'll test all of you. I'll take my Q-tip and stick it in a... Okay. (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for the show, guys. All right, guys. Until next time, it is a hard... Uh Oh, it was hard. (laughs) Nix. Life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.